1: The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, I'm Ken Knappsock, and we have some Game of Thrones-related news to get into. We say Game of Thrones, we're now using the general term. We're going to be talking about HBO's The House of the Dragon casting Rumors Some more information on what Blood Moon would have been Could have been Should have been And the Khaleesi and Masende. A real life Team That plus a great question About Game of Thrones and baseball Jon Snow's names in the books And Well just my ramblings. Sorry. No big reveal at the end. Uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting when a little blip of Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, World of Ice and Fire news appears. Fire will reign, House of the Dragon. When will this series see the light of the day? Right now, I mean, you know, it's going. The HBO's committed to 10 episodes. Probably even got a uh, production code word going. Those are always fun. Maybe Red Gun is what the rumors are. Entertainment Weekly kind of ran the big story, but Watchers on the Walls, where I am reading. Uh, and they are actually going to a Witcher fan site. Uh, Redanian Intelligence. I don't watch Witcher, as you guys know. I apologize. I probably said that wrong. So this makes some sense. We know at some point... At some point, production will be going again. Shows will be moving. Win? It's a fair question. But we're not here to worry about the win. We're here to worry and wonder about what will be coming with, with this show. A little while back, we did on uh, YouTube and here in the podcast feed, a big show where Sir Thomas the Tall himself, Thomas Risling, came on the show and just... Just uh, ran through this wonderful in-depth list of the characters from Fire and Blood, the Targaryen History Book Volume 1, uh, and all the characters around the Dance of the Dragon, the Targaryen Civil War, that it really, 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 really really looks like what this show is going to be around. Uh, Again, official confirmation, I'll wait all the time, all the time. I don't know what the equivalent is to starwars.com, but when it comes to Star Wars news, wait till it pops up there. Wait till someone uh, officially affiliated with the company or studio that is making the things you love, wait till they say, yep, it's a go. And even then, things can change, right? Uh, Blood Moon, case in point. That in a second. But uh, this is the report. On uh, a Witcher fan site has been, uh, quote, reliable uh, news in the past. And, look, I don't think a lot of this is reporting. A lot of it can be weird stuff, but, you know, people, are, people get information. Uh, their information is often out there. Someone knows someone who knows someone. I don't know if a lot of these fan sites, they do checking. They're not actual reports. But Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly ran with the story. And I'm going to bring that article up here right now. Uh, HBO is committed to 10 episodes that we know no official casting breakdowns are available yet all right and that's the key so entertainment weekly just kind of says uh, here's some possible names it's tempting to speculate but none of this could could happen so basically and this this has been happening this is why and this is i don't i don't mean to turn this into um a comment on news uh, and, and and fan site news and all and Star Wars news and all that kind of stuff. I, I I don't mean to take it down that route, but because people do know, and I tell you, from from working in this town, being in in Hollywood for twenty two plus years, yeah, you know people, man. You get information, and what you do with that information is key. You could go start a blog and, and do some scooping and take away some of the joy. And by the way, I love that stuff. Leaked photos of Naomi Watts's uh, dress from Blood Moon. I clicked on it. I'm not. I'm not innocent here. Uh, I, I, I'm guilty. Guilty. Throw me to the dragons. But I, I do try to avoid it. I do try to wait to talk about it on a lot of things, shows, podcasts, YouTube videos, whatever, until until it's relatively true, or feels like this could be true. But it's always fun to talk about rumors, and it gets confusing. And when Entertainment Weekly, the Entertainment Weekly. Runs a story, does not cite. They are not going to cite in these in these in these fan sites. Now, look, uh, uh, winnerscoming.net uh, and Watchers on the Wall are places I go because uh, I, I believe they're clued in. Um, but EW is very rarely going to cite them, and they just say sources confirmed to EW. What usually happens, and I've been in it. I've been in it, at the Collider Studios when a, a story breaks. So-and-so's uncle was a production uh, designer on this and, and and therefore this fan podcast is saying uh, we're getting 12 Star Wars movies about Darth Bane. So then a reporter, an actual uh, movie news journalist will call their actual sources, studio reps, PR people, and say, here's this story, got a comment on it. And that's where it goes from there, Right. I feel as though I'm explaining, you know, Woodward and Bernstein reporting to all of you and you're all you're all getting it. But all that to say, this is why I'm coming back to sources confirm the network has been casting. Yep, we know that. And we know it's called House of the Dragon. And we know Miguel Sapochnik is involved, along with Ryan Condal. Uh, Condal's a showrunner. Sapochnik, uh will be uh, probably directing. Uh, will he's going to direct the pilot and additional episodes Have probably have a lot more to say about the direction of the show here. So, if we fire and blood, these are all things. So we're running with it a bit here. That's my end of my end of preamble, (laughs) end of explaining myself. Now let's just get to the fun part. Most likely, most likely, this is the casting. Uh, they're, They're casting for obviously a wide variety of roles, a plethora of roles, myriad roles, if you will. But this report focuses on two. Alicent Hightower, or if you might say Alicent, I say Alicent. Eh, Tomato, Leia, Leah, Han, Han. Uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen is also in there as well. Go back to that episode that uh, Thomas, it's not too long ago now, that Thomas ran down the list. These are two characters key to the Dance of the Dragons. Very key. Ellison Hightower, second wife to King Viserys Targaryen. It is her son Aegon the Second. Count your numbers. Count your numbers. Who moves into the center of the war? Uh, a choice to be king for many, and it is Rhaenyra who is uh, who once was kind of considered, uh, you know, the the big. Uh, the, the the realm's delight is the term, but just kind of like the bell of the ball, bell of the ball. Marries her uncle secretly. Eh, it's Targaryens. Forms a a rivalry, little uh, uh you know, little uh, housewives of Westeros kind of uh, reality show rivalry with Alison Hightower. Um, a lot of it, there's a lot of complicated reasons. It's Game of Thrones. Some of it is. Renera was once, you know, again the most uh, fair maiden in the land by her uncle. He called her that. All right, mm, okay. She has some kids, and uh, in her mind, in her mind, her her beauty wasn't as as uh, as, as well received, right? And 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 Allison Hightower comes along, and she's kind of the she's like the Marjorie Tyrell to the Cersei situation here. So rivalry forms. I am paraphrasing. I am generalizing. There is a lot more to it, but that sets up a bit of the rivalry, right? and when uh oh queen high is like yeah my son's good to go that's the that's the king you got all these different Targaryen lines boom there you go blacks and greens uh, Targaryen civil war we got problems so that is and again i i i'm, I'm talking about this because not just cuz it's going around just because if ew if ew is confident enough to say yeah, yeah sources confirm castings in place but they don't list these characters necessarily but this would tie up with the other reports, and this is exciting to me. I still think if you're looking, if you're looking at all the all the possible places to go with the Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire prequel, this is the most tantalizing. We talked about it a lot, so we're not going to remix it here too much. Dragons, houses, and names, and relatives of characters you've heard about. That is valuable. That's a big value. You can't underestimate that kind of stuff. You are getting this content out to a general audience. Oh, it's from Game of Thrones. Better have dragons. So we'll talk even more in in a second here about Blood Moon. But this, going right for the dance of the dragons, being able to connect that. And there's a lot. It's not just the Targaryens. Uh, we got uh, the the High Towers. Uh, we've got uh, Valerians. We've got uh, House Aaron involved. Like it's, it's the land. It's the realm, and it affects the people. This is never just about those battling from the the throne. That's that's not interesting. It's the land, and I think you can get to those kind of areas. We talked before. And part of this, there is the kind of uh, civilian uprising. They've had enough. The folks at Flea Bottom tired of these dragons and these Targaryens riding them. And they uh, try to uh, even the score a little bit. attacking a dragon pen. And it's a ferocious fight. And you're rooting for the dragons, but you're also understanding the people, and you're rooting for them. It's, it's you gotta read it if you haven't read it in Fire and Blood*. That kind of stuff will pop on screen, but that type of stuff will... will Really be able to, you'll be able to take themes into 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 lower the lower levels of King's Landing. You know what I mean, and and just tell a complete circle a robust story. But being able to to lead with characters like these, and you could make an argument that depending on exactly where you're going, these would be the two leads of the show. If this is kind of the center, yes, a lot of characters. Just scroll through a wiki of Ice and Fire. Oh, that's a character. 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 But if it comes down to to this, you know, the Realm's Delight, the Half Year Queen versus uh, Young Mama Hightower, I, it's a, it's a WrestleMania main event, and you can build the show. Out from there, so that's pretty exciting. I don't have much more to that because, quite frankly, there isn't much more to the story. And I won't speculate too much on my own. I'd love to have, uh, we'll bring some of the other folks on and do some speculation even more. But this is where we have been focusing on for a while when uh, talking about the House of the Dragon. I am more and more excited for it. I've been playing that that mobile game on my phone, the the Game of Thrones uh, Beyond the Wall game. You, you spend a lot of time with Brendan Rivers. And it's one of those little, you know, RPG type of uh, move a square uh, and fight a character. It's your move, their move type of games there. But you get to see Brendan Rivers in action. And and I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Brendan Rivers is in this. I get the timeline. I'm just saying it's a character that I know is a three-eyed raven, three-eyed crow that I have read about in lore. But here seeing him and seeing him come to life, I just feel connected to him. And there's other characters in this little fun game. And it is, I'm having fun with the game. And there's some story stuff. And I'm, not ta- and I'm not taking it too deep. But it's like, oh, that's a that's a first range of the Night's Watch. That's cool. This and that. But it's like, yeah, here's Brendan Rivers. And I'm seeing a character from the show's own history come to life. I think that will apply to House of the Dragon. When you see some of these Targaryens of yesteryear, houses of yesteryear, and dragons of yesteryear. I think that's great. And yeah, we talked about in the Discord server, which can be reached through my Ken Knappsock Patreon page. Uh, give me Balerion the Black Dread. Seeing Balerion the Black Dread, if you time it just right, you can get something there. I, I, You know, again, they might flashback. They might do the Lord of the Rings, the world is changing flashback. I, 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 And I'd be on board for that too. But I don't know. We're so far out from this. We are so far out. But little bits of casting news, and when names start getting attached to the character names, oh, you betcha, we'll be here for that we kind of already went through that with the other prequel. One of the others. We know there were uh, several in development. The one that seemed to be moving forward. The one that was uh, getting us wondering and getting us cautiously optimistic. The Jane Goldman-led series. George R. R. Martin had a lot to do with this one. He had his hands in all of them that we know. And I am reading from winteriscoming.net. Dan uh, Selke. I, I read a lot of his stuff. Good stuff. Um... Gets in, uh, gets in, and uh, gives the information you need here. So uh, this is um, again citing that Witcher fan site, Redanian Intelligence. Is it Red Redanian or Redanian Witcher fans? I Apologize, I don't mean to offend you. So this was uh, we, you know, they shot the pilot. We know that Naomi Watts was in it. Uh, Josh Whitehouse, Naomi Aki. Jamie Campbell Bower and more. We also know that uh, Amy McPherson was cast and probably would have been a character named Aurelia, daughter of Naomi Watts' character. So I'm just going to kind of read some of this stuff directly, Just is why I really want you uh, to go check out winterscoming.net um, if you want to get a little bit more of it. Some of this lines up with just uh, rumor and gossip and innuendo and all those things that I'd heard before of what might have gone wrong or what it might've been. And it's so far out that I, I, you know, you don't, you just don't know. But, uh, here we, here we go. Um, there would have been twin sisters, Kara and Vera. Um, when we don't, yeah, they, they speculate in this article here from Dan, would blood mood have kept up the hallowed game of Thrones, traditional tradition of, uh, Uh, unhealthy, codependent twin relationship? Uh, We don't know. There would have been a princess double. Blood Moon would have been set long before the Seven Kingdoms, this we know. Uh, There was a dungeon keep. And a lot of uh, names, fantasy names. Ianthon, Robin, Maive, Sorcha, which sounds like Sorcha from Willow, and Flavia. And uh, a lot of the names attached to that. We know that the Children of the Forest now would have been there. Now, this is the most interesting thing because it looks like Leaf, who, of course, uh, was in Season 4, uh, played by Octavia Alexandru, and then recast for uh, by uh, K, uh, played by Kay Alexander in Season 6, which um, I actually really liked that decision. Nothing against Octavia. It was just this tiny little role. I really liked uh, Leaf in Season 6. There would have been more Children of the Forest characters, uh, Doyen uh, Ajiboye would have uh, been leaf, and there would have been characters called cloud and lake, and that uh, was kind of be kind of be <sighs> interest. It's interesting. So here's here's um here's where here's where uh, and they're addressing in the article here. And I don't I want to be clear. I'm not saying any of this as fact. Uh, I'm just saying this had been going around the Internet. Some of you probably heard it, too, and heard it in some circles here that part of what HBO was looking at with the Blood Moon pilot is there was some casting choices. There was a lot of when the cast was announced, there was uh, what looked to be and I'll say a fair share of diversity in the casting. Which, as we know, was something that HBO's Game of Thrones sometimes uh, took a hit on. And sometimes, I'll say, more regularly, definitely towards the end. And uh, all for that, right? Yeah, and you look at the pictures when the cast was released, it's good. But it seemed as though a lot of the uh, black actors cast were all uh, kind of the non-human race characters. Which is something you can even go back to... Um, You know, Lord of the Rings, uh, Jackson's Lord of the Rings uh, takes a hit on that too. Uh, uh, Orcs and uh, Urkai and whatnot. So uh, that in this day and age, it just might have been something that HBO wasn't comfortable with. I don't know. I don't know. Any of this is fact. Do not quote this as a fan podcast that's giving information. This is just scuttlebutt. And this story kind of confirms that the casting would have kind of been along perhaps slightly problematic or uncomfortable lines. Again, we don't know for a fact that that was the case. We don't know how it would have played out. I'm one of those, uh, hey, apply a little common sense in case-by-case situations here. But from the outside looking in, I could see and I had heard that that was a bit of a problem. And it doesn't mean you can't change it. doesn't mean you can't retool things. But not every pilot is going to get the Game of Thrones Pilot Part 2. That's very rare, as, as we all know. So... That's some of the casting stuff. Uh, moving into what it would have been, um, there's a, a site. I won't even cite. there was a leak uh, to a YouTuber, and that's where I, that's where you start to lose me. On, I'm not even going to give it the click, but it's interesting stuff. True or not. We don't know. Again, putting, uh, I'm putting a lot of we don't knows in this, but it's fascinating stuff. Big breath, I'm sorry. All right, because we're going to get into it. According to the, uh, there was an extra who worked on Blood Moon. Oh, an extra. Given all the scoop. Well, they would know. Uh, they, they, they would know uh, all the information. If they want to share it, that's their career. Blood Moon would have involved a marriage alliance between the Starks of Winterfell and the Casterlys of Casterly Rock. Interesting with the princess Mary, marrying the last Casterly. That could mean, could mean that Naomi Watts was playing a Stark and that her daughter, Amy McPherson's character, Aurelia, is the princess. Because remember, Naomi Watts was described as, in a certain way, and every house in the kingdom is a kingdom unto itself at this point in history with her own royal hierarchy, a hierarchy. Um, um, Yeah, that's true, and that's what's different about that, about the time. The north is the north. Anyway, and here's where it gets even more interesting. Sometime around the wedding, there would have been a blood moon, a creepy eclipse, possibly. A meteors would have rained down on Westeros. The extra knows all of this, by the way. <laughs> then in that darkness, the White Walkers come, and the long night begins. Okay. So, that makes sense. It see, If that was the pilot, let's just say that's the pilot. We're running rampant with speculation here. I find that interesting. I do find that interesting. We had talked about, because remember George uh, R. Martin himself said, I'd like to call the, the series a long night. Uh, we'll see what happens. Blood Moon it is. Blood Moon, which to me was, I, I, get, I get it, even in the this context here, that sounds pretty good, but uh, eh, you know, House of the Dragon makes you think, as you're passing a bus, bus bench. Oh, that's a Game of Thrones show. Blood Moon? Oh, Twilight's coming back. Like, eh, marketing. Marketing. I, I, Blood Moon wasn't wasn't my favorite title either. The Long Night, I don't know, even then. The Long Night of White Walkers, might, that might get people's attention. But I do like this idea, and this is something that, man, makes me a little disappointed that this series wouldn't happen. Now, there was always that talk, too, beyond maybe perhaps some of the casting problems. There was the thought that uh, the, the show didn't have a, a path to follow. It was brand new territory. and That made HBO a little A uh, little uneasy. Not that they wouldn't trust the showrunner and those to write the show, you know, that they wouldn't take it somewhere. But House of the Dragon is a built-in story. Game of Thrones had a built-in story. Whether Whether you like where they went when they went off the path or not, it still had a big, meaty outline. And that's key. I don't know. I wasn't part of this process. I don't have a tremendous amount of experience in this. But pitching shows as I have in this town, being involved in pitches and getting pitches ready. Even when I've been dealing with for the last, well, it's been the last ten years, but in the last year or two, there's one project I, I uh, some friends of mine, have been taking around town and going through these pitches, and that is big. We got dinged. We were ready. We thought something was happening, and it would have been a kind of a cool name attached to it, and this animated show. And it was like they came back. like, you know, we thought about it some more, and we, by the time we get to season season three, we we don't know where your show is going. We don't like it. No, no, thanks. It was done. It was done. Thanks for the thanks for your time. Uh, here's a here's a free pencil of our production company, and now go. We'll validate your parking. So it's not surprising me that even after the pilot that even they're looking at the show Bible, they're looking at everything going on, and they say, where is this, by season three or four, where are you with this? I'm just, spec- we we all know the Long Night story. It's It takes a while, right? It's a while. And this was going to be in the HBO's Game of Thrones world, connected to a certain point of view, from a certain point of view, and to a certain degree, I'm sure, but also kind of playing with its own history, and George R. R. Martin get to get into explain his history, which was something I was really excited about to really finally get into an area that we hadn't spent a lot of time with, which is why I understand some of the pushback maybe on Fire and Blood. But the long list. Let's say this is how the pilot ends. We're gonna have a wedding. Those go always. They always go so well in Game of Thrones and a wedding, and then suddenly there's a meteorite or eclipse and there's this and that, and then the White Walkers are here. Which, of course, you know, which history, or, or do you stick with the history of of the children of the forest created them to fight the the first men? Is this that story? Uh, it, it, you know, we got a pact. Does this end in a pact on the gods? I, I don't know all those details, and they, they could have been carving a new path through some of the history again speaking in general terms on on, on uh, OC history here but it just say it ends with the long night beginning and beginning beginning suddenly maybe they already were in this war this is a you know mostly first men story already fighting the children and then that happens okay i'm on board for it but how long is that going to go Now, maybe that's just me reacting to the fact that I'm so used to what we just saw for eight seasons. Long Night was history. Long Night was disbelieved uh, and just forgotten. And then it hung over everything and people didn't believe it. And in the end, something happens with it. But the story wasn't about that all along. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm used to this idea that we should build up to the Long Night. It's coming. Something's coming. Winter is coming. It's hanging over our heads. But in writing, get in late, leave early. Uh, this is this is a, you're jumping right into it, and and long the long night has begun. So I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a script. I'd like to see all that stuff, and maybe we'll get more concrete, not just an extra spilling some NDA beans. If we actually can can get to here, you know. Uh, the, the pilot's dead, the show's dead, but maybe the story isn't. Maybe George finishes the damn books and then revisit this one. And plus he's got to finish Fire and Blood Volume 2. Come on, George. A lot of writing to do. Maybe that's maybe we get to see this some other way. A movie. HBO Max movie. That's kind of their version of Disney Plus, right? It's working really well for Star Wars, Marvel. Kind of taking those big properties, telling the stories, less pressure. I'd be all up for an HBO Max miniseries event, The Long Night. Give me, give me, give me a season. Give me three two-hour episodes or something like that. I, I'd be up for that. Would you guys be up, be up for that? Maybe there's a way to maybe there's a way to revisit this. I don't know. Final little news story of the week. I really like this one here. Uh, the Khaleesi and Missandei in real life. They're as tight as they were on the show, and this story kind of emerged. Um, uh, Natalie Emanuel uh, going around uh, promoting uh, some new projects, a Quibi show, and whatnot. She was on Daily Show recently, I do believe, too. Uh, she was speaking to Vogue and talked about uh, the connection with Amelia Clark. When uh, Natalie Emanuel shows up, show's already been going for a couple of seasons. Amelia Clark's already in in her place as Khaleesi of the show. She's a lead. And she... take. I think she took that role seriously off-camera, not in an ego way, but just in, in protecting those who come on and, and work, work with her. And uh, Emmanuel said, and I'm quoting here from the Vogue article, Amelia uh, and I always looked out for each other. If you're the only girls on a male-dominated set, it bonds you in a certain way. And then uh, she goes on to say that there was an incident early on season, uh, was it three Missandei's first season? Yeah. You know, she's dressed a little, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hot <laughs> where, where they were in all slavers Bay. So a little bit of a revealing outfit, right. And that a, a fellow, uh, actor on set attempted to kind of, uh, make a comment, uh, shame the revealing outfit. And Amelia Clark, Stepped in, took care of it for her, Natalie Emanuel, and, and said, uh, as Natalie Emanuel says, it got handled. And that uh, that helped their bond. And I think that plays out. I think those kind of things connect. I think that's uh, it's bad that that has to happen on set. Uh, and she says, uh, exact quote here again, going back to the uh, Vogue article. For example, in my first season, my costume was pretty revealing. And there was an incident with a supporting actor who made a comment about it on set. I mean, typical. And Amelia straight away had my back. Quote: It got handled. The Khaleesi steps in. Uh, I just really love that. It just it just highlighted uh, why they're uh, you know you can feel the connection. And then, like, actors aren't always going to have those connections with the co uh, the, the co uh, co co host co stars. And sometimes co hosts don't get along either. Oh, totally off! Oh, totally off subject. Uh, reading a great uh, book about the uh, late '80s uh, in the '90s comedy scene—a very male-dominated, com- male-dominated comedy scene, uh, male-dominated. Um, Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo did not get along, in, uh, for National Lampoon's, and were nearly murdering each other during National Lampoon uh, Christmas Vacation. But then, hey, action, and and they and they have some magic on screen. You don't want—that's not what you want. That's not ideal. And it seems as though the Game of Thrones said you don't hear a lot of this stuff. And this is this is something that's probably uh low level. Low level meaning it's just so normal it shouldn't be, but it's accepted. And that's that's part of the problem, part of the, the treatment, particularly of, of women, where it's just like, uh, that's just what and I'm not I'm not even saying boys being boys stuff. I'm just like, uh, you know, hey, you made a comment about your outfit, so what? And it's nice to hear that Amelia Clark was like, no, so what is not acceptable here. And I am the queen. And by, every, by all accounts, there's no, you don't get a sense of ego at all from Amelia Clark. I was watching, there was that clip that popped up when she was at a basketball game and the, and the mascot of the team came over and kind of like bowed before her and the Khaleesi and the crowds going wild. She's just downright embarrassed in the most charming, engaging way. You get no sense. She she's goofy, you know. What look at her Instagram video? She's always laughing, smiling, uh, working with her uh, charity, same you. She's doing good things, right? By all accounts, you don't hear any horror stories, uh, and and so there's some some folks that yeah, you hear them. I, I don't hear a lot on Game of Thrones. I do not hear a lot of that, but it's this to me was I I wanted to touch upon it because it it, it it highlights I think Amelia Clark as a person, as a performer, and what she did on that set, and 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 it connects to. I think one of the best bonds on the show, the, the khaleesi Misande connection. And, you know, Misande's death, in story, I am all for it. I, I, I'm i not all for it. I, if she, meaning, if she had lived to the end, I would have been happy. But the way it was used and the way it was uh, part of Khaleesi's uh, tapestry of self-destruction and tapestry of the wrongs against her that pushed her down a path that probably she would not have been on without some of these things and some of these events. I, I'm all for it. I am all for it. But off, uh, you know, the bigger discussion of uh, Miss and Natalie Manuel being one of the only uh, people of color on the show and how her exit um, sparked great discussions. And, and, and Natalie Emanuel has has definitely... She says this article, and this is a repeat of something she said before, definitely caused me to reflect a lot more about race and diversity more generally. And Hey, if the, if, if you have a more robust uh, cast in terms of uh, diversity, then I am there's less pressure on my character to be representative of one look, you know, if there's, if there's uh, three or four other people that look like me on the set, my character can die and serve the story and serve the needs of the story and not have this kind of pressure. And she's not, uh, you know, and I think you all mean, you'll get what she means there. Like that, that's part of it. And I've always kind of said, it always seems like she, under- she understood where the character could die. And I think she played it wonderfully. I think that's a powerful moment for me, for that character. But for the bigger issue, for the societal reasons, I understand uh, people's discussion of it and understand what she's saying. And I like what she's saying about that. You know, there, she says that way. There is no single person who has to represent every other person of color. That's what we mean. And then you go back to the Blood Moon. You can see maybe there might have been some problem, some problems, but I don't know. None of these, uh, none of the Blood Moon stuff is one hundred percent fact. It's just talk. But I wanted to highlight this story. Good story, a good uh, Game of Thrones set story, and uh, the Khaleesi Immesande as strong in real life as they were on the show. We are going to take a quick break. On the other side of this break, we got some uh, fun stuff about John and the books. And we got a fun call about baseball. Because the baseball season is here. And I'm a big fan. Big fan of Game of Thrones. And together, they shall meet. Stick around. The Casterly Talk.
0: hey y'all what's going on this is Kojak. i create music that can be found both on youtube and soundcloud and now i'm a recent streamer on twitch so if you're looking for some chill instrumentals check me out on youtube and soundcloud under K O J Q, and for some laughs you can check my twitch page under ko underscore JAQ. everyone
1: please be safe and thank you Best in pop culture art, sleek designs, and some of the best brand logos around. Shop G9 Design on TeePublic and represent the electrifying art of Janine Bryce with a shirt, wall art, and more. Go to teepublic.com slash user slash G9 Design. And while you're searching the G9 Design storefront, check out Janine's show. It's a wonderful podcast available right here on Anchor and wherever podcasts are found. It's time, baseball fans. The new podcast feed, Box Score Heroes, has arrived. This is the new home of this show, Behind the Bag, with Cat Napsok and Tom Dagnino, and is also the place to find shows like The Legends of the Wax Packs, the only baseball power rankings you need, and My Favorite Baseball, a nostalgic look back at the game we all love, and more. Find the podcast feed on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Box Score Heroes is your podcast home for everyone, whether. A passion for all things baseball. And we're back here on Casterly Talk. About to listen to a couple calls from you. You. Big capital U. Big capital Y on that U. I love your calls, you guys know that. If you want to call in and be part of the show, all you do is go to the Anchor app, go to Cashley Talk on Anchor, and you'll find a little button that says leave a message. Do so. Just put your phone to your ear. Put your fa- fancy microphone to use. Just shout from the rooftops and get your thoughts, your calls, your thought stutters here on the show. Alright, this one's been sitting in my hopper for a couple weeks. You guys have so many good calls lately. I've got a backlog. But this is Billy calling in about Jon Snow. We were talking a couple weeks ago about his name. Will, will that remain his name on the show? Is, is, is Aegon Targaryen name? Does that change for the book? Jaharis Eamon, there's some options. And Billy has a belief of what he thinks it is.
0: Hey, Ken, it's Billy. I'm calling in a response to Nick's uh, question about John's true Targaryen name from a few weeks ago. And in my opinion, I believe John's name is actually going to end up being Eamon Targaryen in the book series. I believe this because it'd be a little tragic irony because John and Maester Eamon were so close and they never realized that they're or one related and then two, they actually share the same name. I think that'd be a little interesting. And in George's style, And then there's another book reference where I believe that John, it hints at John's true name. It's where Rob and John are like sword fighting when they were younger. And Rob proclaims that he's some historical figure. I can't remember the name. And I believe the backstory to this historical figure actually points or alludes to Rob's own fate in the series. And in that same sequence, John proclaims that he is Amon the Dragon Knight. So I think that's a pretty big hint that John is not only a Targaryen. Hey, Ken, a little part two to what John's true name might be. A lot of people have been theorizing that John's name is going to be Viserys Targaryen because Rhaegar and Elia Martell were naming their first two children after Aegon and his two sister-wives. So they covered Aegon, and then I believe it was uh, um or Some I can't remember the pronunciation of the name, but that leaves the last sister who was Visenya or Viseria, some Targaryen name, but for some reason I just can't pronounce. So, but the male version of that name would be Viserys. So it's a lot of speculation. I've seen that Jon actually may be Viserys, which would be a little, little another irony with his connection to Daenerys.
1: There you go. Billy with some uh, good information. And look, we are all Billy in this moment, trying to remember how to say Targaryen names correctly. I I mean, Daenerys is about the only one, and Viserys are the only ones I feel confident in saying, oh, all right, Eamon. Eamon and Aegon. After that, I just get, it's like, George, we get it. (laughs) Uh, I'm behind this idea of John being Eamon. I like it. Jaehaerys has always worked. It worked maybe perhaps on the show in my brain a little bit because of, uh, you know, what a great king. What a great Targaryen king. That's that name. But... You would have had to. Jaeharris wasn't well known in the history of the show, right? It, it, it was there; he was there. But again, you got to you got to go through it. And because I do believe Jon Snow in the show is is a little bit of um, a little bit of young Griff, I think Aegon works for that. It's a combining; it's a salad bar approach. But in the books, Aemon works for me. And, and going back to the show, that some of the great moments with him and Aemon up at the wall, and a Targaryen alone in the world, and all those kind of things that hung over it, it would work. But this Eamon, the Knight, it's a great pull from Billy. It's a great reference. Eamon, also known as the Knight, son of the series, uh, the second. And that's just a, that's just the kind of little thing that George R. R. Martin might've, might've put in there. And you never know what's a red herring. Communism is a red herring. Uh, I'm going to go home and sleep with my, wife. sorry, sorry. Clue, clue quotes. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but that's, you know, what does George put in that is uh, to be discovered? And what does he put in to throw you off the scent? But something like that, especially when you combine it with Rob Stark. Uh, we'll have to pull that up and just uh, we'll read that as this continuing continuing uh, discussion of John's name in the books goes on. So I love that there. The Viserys stuff. Um, again, it's hard for me not to think in terms of the show, but that'd be, be kind of cruel. <laughs> uh, crown for a king. That's not my John Snow. We'll find out, hopefully soon enough, what John's name is. Continue this conversation. If you got a thought on what the name might be, I'll pull that exact uh, little section of the book. We can read it. We'll have a little book club. Talk about John Snow and him liking Eamon the Dragon Knight. All right. I'm excited for this next one. I actually did some homework on this one. I did more homework for this one than I did on Eamon the Dragon Knight. Donald Long. He's been getting uh, some great calls in. And I am recording this on opening day part two for Major League Baseball. I'm a big baseball fan, always have been. And I got a new baseball podcast feed. Some of you know about Box Score Heroes. If you're a baseball fan, head on over. A lot of stuff going on there. It's kind of like chaos going on over there. We're just talking baseball, open up baseball cards, doing a lot of cool things like that. All right. Here's this call from Donald Long Hey, Ken. With baseball season coming back this week and
0: you finally launching a new podcast feed, Boss Score Heroes. Go check it out, by the way. If you owned a baseball team in the world of Ice and Fire and you had your picking of anybody you wanted on the team, who would you pick and what positions would they play, starting with the manager? And where would your ballpark be at? Thanks, Ken.
1: Oh, don't mind if I do, Donald. Don't mind if I do. Oh, I had some fun with this one. Probably too much fun. I basically picked an entire major league roster. I got some bench players. All right. We're not doing a full 26-man team, 30 right now, down to 28, 26 with the uh, the uh, covid affected 2020 season. I almost said strike affected season. Kind of the same effect. So here's what we're doing. I'm going from owner down to some bench players. Bear with me. Now, if you're not a baseball fan, I understand. I understand. You're here for the Dragons. Well, that's why I'm pulling you in with this one. I'm calling my team the Dragonstone Dragons. Too many dragons in it? Too simple? Too straightforward? Yeah, I don't want to get cute with this. They're going to play at Dragonstone, a big stadium, Dragonstone Stadium. We are the dragons. What a great logo. That is a sports logo I need to see on some laundry, on a hat. I'm all for that, okay? Which means, here's what I'm doing. I'm going with the team owner. The team owner is Daenerys Targaryen. Because Daenerys... Can rally people behind her. We're not worried about right or wrong. We're just worried about what she can do. Yeah, others, other great leaders, but Daenerys rallied Dothraki, freed slaves, uh, hedge knights, and uh, sellswords. She uh, fallen uh, knights, fallen from grace. Lannisters, fallen from grace. She showed up to Westeros and, you know what, united Dorne, Greyjoys, House Tyrell. Yeah, they had some reasons to unite with her, but they were there for her and they believed in her. Things went wrong, but we're not worried about that. So Daenerys Targaryen is my baseball team owner. She's truly the queen at the top. All right, Dragonstone Stadiums where we play. My manager, this is the field general. All right, now, actually, take it back, take it back. We're doing this True Baseball. We got a general manager next. This is the person that puts the team together. Usually they're the vice president of baseball operations. Nowadays in the old days it was a crusty former like retired player who knew some scouting stuff. (laughs) Now it's like a Harvard grad with some Google sheets. I I went with a Lannister. And I almost went with Tywin. I think Tywin could put together a good team. But I like the idea of a scrappy general manager, someone who can find some value in a player that other people don't, someone who's been to the top but also knows what it's like to play, from the, play in the bottom of the standings. I'm going with Tyrion Lannister. That's my general manager. Tyrion's in there. My manager, my manager, my field general, is Sansa Stark. She is like Danny. In fact, a lot of people are going to rally around her. She's learned a lot. She's played up through the system, probably from rookie ball all the way up. Was a, was a prospect at one point. Probably had some disappointment. Some injuries. Career got a little off track. But now she's she's where she needs to be. She works well with Tyrion. Tyrion's going to give her the players she needs. And people are going to rally around Sansa Stark. She's my manager. I got a coaching staff. Uh, there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of choices. I am going with Baelish. It's hard not to. He'll be like stealing signs. Arguing with umpires. But like convincing them to go his direction. to Be good. And then... Varys, I got to go Spider. Stealing some signs as well. Good scout. Varys would be like the scout. I've heard this. I heard this player is a weakness. Fastballs inside. Curveballs away. Then I'm going Sir Davos. Good hand of the king type. Good bench coach. He'll sit there and be like, well, now I wasn't much of a major league player. But I do think. give some great advice. And then going Catlin Stark. I'm going back a bit. Catlin Stark. Fiery. Third base coach. Sending runners in, even when it's kind of risky. Making some decisions you might question, but she's always going to be there for the good of the team and trying to get the win. Plus, you know, hey, maybe she got a a little mentorship ability there with with Sansa, should Sansa need it or want it. Uh, Catelyn Stark's rounding up my coaching staff. We're going to the players. We're going to the players. And this is where I know there's a lot of choices. Mine might differ than your list. I'm going catcher first here. My favorite position, what I played a little bit when I played baseball. I'm going Tormund Giants Bane. Fire fiery uh field leader. Uh someone who um can take a hit behind home plate. Foul balls aren't gonna hurt uh Giant Bane. At the plate, probably big hitter. Takes some big low batting average, low on base percentage, but when he connects, he connects, right? Fiery league. You need your catcher needs to be your your if, if the manager is the field general, the catcher is kind of the Diamond General, the one on the field, the actual one on the field. First base, we need someone tall. In the old days, maybe a little tall and lanky. Now you can go get a little bulkier. You know, thinking almost thinking classic Maguire era, you know. The Hound, Sandor Clegane. The Mountain's too big, too big. Sandor knows how to move. has some agility. Can sword fight, right? So the Hound, good, maybe not even cleanup hitter, but like a number five hitter. Going with the Hound. Going with the hound. Second base. Now, I've done, now, I've made this kind of list before, by the way. In Star Wars, I've done this in Star Wars. And I'm pretty sure maybe Daily Thrones have probably talked about this a little bit. But this is like, I've never done it to this degree. It's why I love Donald's questions. I got, I got so excited. Second base, Arya Stark. And when I did this for Star Wars over in Force Center, I put Leia at second base too. And it's kind of similar. They're, they're maybe small of stature. But they're rough and tough, and they're calling shots on the infield. Maybe a good scrappy number two hitter. Get on base, cause problems. They can still uh, go deep when they need to. Put Nari at second base. Third base, hot corner, Jon Snow. Jon Snow, one of those good, like a Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant type of third baseman. Uh, You know, a player who would be king. Uh, Superstar, big contract coming, a lot of pressure on him. It'll hold down the hot corner, shortstop. This is I'm actually most proud of this one, Obrin Martel. Think of a think of Ozzy Smith in the '80s, not the big uh, Derek Jeter, Yankees, but not the big uh, A Rods, Cal Ripkins, kind of the bigger, uh, bulkier shortstops who were a fleet of foot in the field, but people looked at them for a little more offense. Oberyn could can, can drive in runs. But I'm I'm telling you, Obrin might be uh, bottom of the order hitter, but I don't need that. I'm I'm more more excited about what he can do in the field. Oberon could go deep in the hole, grab that ball, whip it over to first base. He's got the moves. He's got the cockiness. He's got the surefire attitude. Obrin Martel is my shortstop. We're going to the outfield, left field, left field. And you want you want someone with some power. You want someone with a big arm but they don't need to have as big an as, uh, arm as, say, center field or right field. They don't need to move as fast. Um, but I am, uh, I'm going with Brienne of Tarth in left field. And Brienne of Tarth might be, might be my cleanup hitter. I don't need to worry about her average. She can strike out if she wants, but I just need the consistent hitting, driving some runs. Always comes in in the clutch, Brienne of Tarth. Center field, I have some other choices for this. I changed my decision. I'm sticking with this one, though, right now. Center field, Dario Naharis. Dario, you know, it's tough for me. Dario sometimes gets in my craw, both versions. But fleet of foot, a lot of skills. Might even put him at leadoff, get on base, cause havoc. Good in the field. Too good, if you ask me. Stay out of the owner's box. All right, Dario in center field. Right field is kind of the superstar of the outfield, right? Good looking, good stats, big contract. Doesn't get hurt too much. Not a lot of collisions. Just big throws that are people are really impressed with. high price baseball cards. I'm going Jamie Lannister. Probably like season season one, Jamie Lannister is my right fielder. We don't need the broken down, but better version of Jamie later, but that we, we're going the hot shot night in right field. As my designated hitter, this is the older veteran that maybe can't play in the field as much as, as he used to. People remember, I remember, and uh, they used to be at third base, first base, outfield, but that can still hit and you still need this person on your team, and they're a valued member. That's right. I'm going with Sir Jorah Mormont. Absolutely. Enough said. Jorah's my guy. He doesn't have to really interact on the field with Dario. He can ignore Dario in the clubhouse if he wants. Starting pitcher. This is I I was like, who do you got? Starting pitchers. I'm going with that ace type, but not the, I don't know, not the uh Nice, wholehearted pitching ace, the college star that comes up and strikes out all the batters and is a feel-good story. I'm going with that ace that's a little arrogant, that ace that, is, that wants the ball in game one, game four, and game seven of the World Series. You're not going to pull this ace out. And they always feel they have a chance to win, even when things are crumbling around them. They feel like they got a chance to win. You almost have to pull them, yank them out of the game my choice for starting pitcher of the Dragonstone Dragons, it would burn her, literally maybe, to be on this team, is Cersei Lannister. You know, I don't know if Cersei, she wants to be maybe a manager, she wants to be a general manager, maybe run things, maybe she'll get there. She's got the skills. But, think of Cersei on the mound, glaring down at you, over the glove, like she's sipping some wine, ready to strike you out. Just dispatches you with creative ways. Cersei's Cersei's the starting pitcher. Relief pitcher, the middle relief guy. This is the, the pitcher that comes in, gets you, gets you out of tough situations, is not quite your closer, doesn't have starting pitching stuff. Nowadays, a yeah, relief pitcher is very much more of a specialized position. There was a time in baseball where the middle relief guys, eh, you weren't quite a starter. You weren't flashy enough to be a closer. You could be. Learn a third pitch get an out pitch. You might be a closer, but you're reliable and we like you and we need you on our team. It's Rob Stark. Think about it. Rob's like uh, the transition King, right? Could have been, should have been, but wasn't that's Rob Stark. Middle relief. I'll take him closer. This is the pitcher that comes in, closes out the game. Ninth inning game on the line. Bases loaded, two outs, two strikes. Can you get that pitch? Can you, are you going to be affected by the pressure? I'm going Yara Greyjoy. Asha Greyjoy if you want to. Yara Greyjoy. When facing a a real tough male-dominated house and society and island, she's like, nah, I, I deserve to be queen. And she gets it. When faced down with uh, big burly men ready to kill her with their swords, eh, she'll get you. You want to try to outsmart her? She'll outsmart you. She'll get you out of the game. If I want to close a baseball game, I'm going Yara Greyjoy. Utility. This is my utility infielder. Someone who can play a lot of different positions. Scrappy. Got some power. Going to knock in a run. Can win a game. Not going to hurt you in the field. In fact, he's going to probably excel some positions. Maybe he's not too interested in being a shortstop, but he'll take some uh, ground balls there. I'm going Sobron of the Blackwater utility infielder. Rounding out my bench, I got, I got a couple outfielders, some pinch hitters, and some pinch runners. I got, I got a couple choices here. I'm going Loris Tyrell and Grey Worm. Loris Tyrell, I thought about maybe making Loris Tyrell a center fielder. But I don't know if he has the, he has the finesse, he has the skills, he's got the speed. He lacks maybe the power in the modern-day lineup. Grey Worm, uh, Grey Worm, absolutely. I think Grey Worm is, the, is your center fielder of the future. Just needs to get some hacks in. He's he's been called up the big leagues and he's finding his, his footing. Um, but he's got skills, and you want you want gray worm in a game. You're gonna pinch run gray worm when you get uh, you know, when the hound gets a hit and's on first base, you send in gray worm to pinch run, steal a base, and maybe score you the winning run. There you go. I know a lot of you are like, oh man, I don't watch baseball, and that was a lot of stuff. I come here for the dragons, but that is the Dragonstone Dragons. That is Game of Thrones to hard. Do you have a roster? Do you have a Game of Thrones baseball roster? You better believe I want to hear it. Let me know. Tweet it to me. Use the hashtag CasuallyTalk. Or better yet, better yet, call in. Run through it a little quicker than I did. But give me your team. We're going to round out the show today with a quote of the week, as we often do. We go to our friends at a Wiki of Ice and Fire. They, they don't know we're friends, but I go there. And this is a book quote from Peter Baelish from A Feast for Crows, Elaine One. Dealing with some uh, Sansa uh, undercover action here. Peter Baelish says, in the Game of Thrones, hey, that's the name of the show. In the Game of Thrones, even the humblest pieces can have wills of their own. Well, that sounds good. Sometimes they refuse to make the moves you plan for them. Oh, that doesn't sound good. I think this is uh, actually uh, one of uh, the more insightful looks into Baelish. He understands there's good people in the world. He's not here to pull all the bad people together. He realizes to get his goals, he's going to have to pull some of the good people into his, will, into his way into his, and into his will. He does it with Ned the most of all. We take these quotes very much out of context. We're not looking uh, directly from the books. So there's definitely some specific meanings uh, related to the conversations they're having. But in just the Baelish we know and love, the Baelish we miss, and the Baelish we saw work his magic on the show and have read him work his magic even more so in the books. I think this is – I love that this is – in line with the chaos is a ladder. Yeah, there's some humble pieces of people out there, aren't there? Some humble pies. Man, they're so great. I hate that they think that that matters. You just got to work a little harder to pull them in. Think of his frustrations with Ned. Oh, those stubborn, dumb Starks. Uh, honor, doing it right. Uh, I love that. You know, this is in Elaine's chapter. This is what Sansa's learning, and part of why she makes a great baseball manager. So there you go. All right, we're out of here. Big news, little news, a little big news to react to today. A lot of fun to get back into that. Just wild, open, rampant speculation. But Casually Talk is a show that really much, really very much focuses on the lessons and moments and themes from Game of Thrones and World of Ice and Fire. And we'll be digging into more of that stuff. Got some great calls, great calls out there. One I was going to play today, and I was like, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know if I have the answer yet. Got some great what ifs. Got some theories about Arya and Night King. Keep calling in, my friends. Keep calling in. You can follow me at Kednapsack. Go to Kednapsack.com for more information of all the things I do, including my book, Why We Love Star Wars. Also, click on that charity spotlight tab on my website and you'll find links to charities I support or are directly supported by listeners, Patreon supporters, and friends of mine. And same you from Amelia Clark is there as well. Actually, recommended by Donald Long and. Uh, Thomas Risling, a contributor to the show here, done along Long, uh, with your great baseball call. call. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, that's that for now. Uh, you can also, if you like, I said if you're interested in baseball, go look up box score heroes and hear me talk about baseball. Maybe I'll put um, baseball players in Game of Thrones. Maybe I'll do the reverse over there. We'll see. All right, that's it for now. We'll see you next time. I'm Casterly Talk.